episode 100, an insider's look at MTM, medication therapy management. Today, I speak with Dr. Blair Thielemeyer from the Pharmapreneur Academy and also co-host of the Pharmacy Podcast, which I cannot recommend highly enough. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Today, I got a pharmacist's view of MTM, medication therapy management. The when, the why, and the how of it, for those of us who are not pharmacists. Today, I speak with Dr. Blair Thielemeyer from the Pharmapreneur Academy. So if you're looking for key MTM scoop in a New York minute, or a New York half hour, more like, this is definitely the interview that I would listen to. This podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group, and my name is Stacy Richter. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Blair. Thank you so much for having me. MTM, what is it, just in general? MTM for community pharmacists, which are those running retail pharmacies, the ones that are filling prescriptions on a day-to-day basis, have the ability to offer MTM services and be reimbursed by Medicare Part D. So that's the prescription drug plan. We are sent the eligible patients that need an MTM intervention. So what it is, is MTM is CMS identifying these patients that have two or more chronic conditions and are on six or more medications that would benefit from having a comprehensive medication review by a pharmacist. How does the plan figure out what pharmacy to send that information to? They determine that because whoever is filling on that patient's and billing that patient's insurance is the one who is sent the patient eligibility. We can go in and check our queue. If I'm filling for Mrs. Jones at Pharmacy A, but she may have gone and filled an antibiotic one time at Pharmacy B, she will actually show up in both of those systems Even though Pharmacy A is her primary pharmacy, if Pharmacy B filled an antibiotic or something like that for her and billed her insurance, then she may also be sent to that pharmacy's MTMQ as well. Is it like a duel between pharmacies or some kind of race to see who can grab the MTM? Because I think only one pharmacy can be administering MTM services for any given patient. Is that correct? It's correct that only one pharmacy can offer a comprehensive medication review. So a CMR is a once yearly, usually 30-minute appointment where the pharmacist will sit down with the patient and go through all of their medications and make any recommendations for changes. So that only occurs once a year. And I think most pharmacists realize that if you're at Pharmacy B and you've only filled one prescription for that patient ever, that they're probably not going to come in for a CMR since you are not their primary pharmacy. So we're really pretty good about not trying to steal each other's patients. 
So we do try to focus on our primary patients first. With the two software vendors that we work through that send these cases to us, Marixa has a 21-day time limit. So if you don't complete the medication review in 21 days, then it is sent to Merck's call center, and then they have an opportunity to try to contact the patient and do a telephonic MTM. I feel like I'm getting the rules of the secret pharmacy society, you know, kind of the honor code. So (laughs) (laughs) if I'm a pharmacist, I pull up my Merixa system, which is one of the two main systems that a pharmacist uses to just do their day-to-day. You use the Merixa system to figure out what copays are and whatnot. That's correct, right? We use it to identify MTM interventions. So it won't show copays as much. It may some, but it will recommend if a patient is on like a tier four medication that is costing them a lot of money, they may recommend being changed to like a tier two or tier three if those medications are available. So we can see that in that system as well. Well, wait, so let's just rewind for a sec so that we can get some baseline information because I, for one, am confused. I was under the impression that Marixa was kind of the one-stop shop that controlled all aspects of the pharmacy and tied everything all together. But it sounds like there's more than that going on back there behind the counter. It's definitely something that we use a lot that is very helpful, and it is tied to the data that is coming through the pharmacy's dispensing system. But the pharmacy dispensing system is actually separate from Marixa. There's so many different kinds of uh, dispensing systems. It's just like an EHR in the physician's office. I mean, there is an infinite number of different pharmacy dispensing. But Marixa and Outcomes pull the data from CMS, from the Part D plans, and put the information together on all of the patients that are being billed through the pharmacy dispensing system. Look at me getting straightened up. It's very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) If we're just kind of plotting this out in a stepwise fashion, it sounds like what happens is, is the Medicare Part D plan kind of throws out a general alert. Bing, bing, bing. We've got a list of patients that have two or more chronic conditions, taking six or more meds, and they throw it out to all of the pharmacies that that patient has been to, then the one who considers themselves the patient's primary pharmacy steps up, tries to call the patient, get a hold of the patient and say, hey, you should come in for this comprehensive medication review. We need to take a look at all of your your meds. Is that kind of That's exactly right. Yep. You had said community pharmacy. Is this something that is, I mean, did you say that because community pharmacies are near and dear to your heart? Or did you say that because chains are actually not part of this equation? No, community pharmacy just means any retail pharmacy. Most chains are doing this on some level, but the people that I work with are usually independently owned pharmacies. Got it. Well, let me ask you this question. I do have a 90, how old is she now? 96-year-old grandmother who is definitely taking six or more medications, and she definitely has two or more chronic conditions. In fact, she desperately needs a uh, comprehensive medication review, and I don't think she's ever been contacted. 
Is this something that region by region, there's a, a wide divergence? In other words, some regions are way ahead of the game and all patients are getting these MTM reviews and in other geographies, not so much? Or what would you suspect is going on there? I suspect that the pharmacy that she's using, her primary pharmacy, has just not been able to implement this program yet. MTM is not only a one-time comprehensive medication review, but it's actually ongoing management of these patients' medications. It can mean a monthly adherence call if they're more than 13 days past due for a refill, or it could be maybe they're diabetic and they're not on a statin medication. Really, it's a monthly ongoing process that pharmacies offer as part of this program, and it is somewhat difficult to get into place if you've never done it before, which is what I do. So I'm a consultant pharmacist. So I would go into your grandmother's pharmacy and figure out why they're not offering MTM to their patients. I would first get them signed up with Outcomes in Marixa, and then I would start working through their patients and having the people that are in their queue come in for a comprehensive CMR and then put a system in place that allows the pharmacy to integrate MTM into their daily workflow so that they're checking the cues every day and they're identifying when patients need interventions. So it sounds like most pharmacies will have Marixa and an outcome system. Maybe they're not using the MTM module, so they haven't enabled that aspect of it? Is that how it works? They're probably signed up, but they just don't have anyone to go in and actually work the cases and go through the program. Pharmacy calls you, you walk in the door. What are the main reasons why they haven't done it yet? Are there some common themes here about why this is very difficult? Absolutely. So short staffing is a problem with all community pharmacies. Also, dispensing has always been the bread and butter of the retail pharmacy. So that's been the way that they make all of their revenue. A lot of pharmacies will impose quotas on their pharmacists. So the pharmacists are stretching to fill prescriptions just as fast as they can and as many as they can. And it doesn't leave a lot of time to do clinical services like MTM. What pharmacy is trying to change is putting in place technology such as automatic counting systems and also the availability of more technicians to help free up the pharmacist's time so they're not spending all of their time trying to meet their quotas and they actually have time to offer more clinical services and point-of-care testings and screenings. Why would they even want to? What's wrong with getting paid to dispense? I think that most pharmacists go to pharmacy school because they really want to help their patients. We are trained for four years and everyone coming out of school now has a doctorate in pharmacotherapy. I think that we have a ton of knowledge and it's being wasted by just constantly filling just a dispensing only type scenario is not fulfilling to some pharmacist. 
And so some of those pharmacists are looking to get out of that type of situation and to actually go back and be able to meet with their patients and to help them through these clinical services. That's why a lot of pharmacists like myself don't really do dispensing as much anymore and are more focused on clinical services because to me, it's so much more fulfilling to have that patient contact. And is the ability to unleash your educations being accelerated or have we hit some sort of inflection point or tipping point because of the the rising tide of value-based care? I think that value-based care helps make our point that pharmacists are the third largest health profession, but we're not being used in a way that really adds to the healthcare value. I think there's a bill in the House and a bill in the Senate to give pharmacists provider status under Medicare Part B. And I think with provider status, pharmacists will be able to bill for their services because that has always been the caveat is we can offer these services to our patient, but we are very limited by only being able to bill through Medicare Part D since we're not recognized as healthcare providers under Medicare B. What is the reimbursement there? So you had mentioned the Comprehensive Medication Review, which I'm going to use your acronym CMR because I want to be as cool as that. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, there's reimbursement for the once a year CMR. And then you had mentioned these monthly check-ins. What does that look like, that reimbursement through Medicare Part D? Pharmacies will get reimbursed between $60 and $75 per CMR. And then for the monthly check-ins, if we identify a problem and recommend a change and receive that change and document it, it could be anywhere from $10 to $30 of revenue for making that recommendation and then getting the change. We're also eligible for reimbursement for recommending and administering a flu or pneumovax. And we are also eligible to receive payment through outcomes for putting the patient on a medication synchronization program. And that is kind of the newest thing that a lot of pharmacies are looking to to help improve adherence. Well, wait, medication, do tell, medication synchronization program. What what does that mean? It means that most patients visit their pharmacy two to three times per month. But in a medication synchronization program, they have a day that they choose for the pharmacy to fill their medications. And so the pharmacy will plan on today. I'm going to fill all the medications for these MedSync patients, whether or not they call and request them. And then the next day they can call the patient and say, okay, these are ready to be picked up. It's good for the pharmacy's workflow. That way they're not having people standing around waiting on them to fill their medications. And it's also good for the patient because they don't have to think about, oh, you know, I have five medicines, but then they added another one. So that's six. And which ones do I need to call in? They just know that it's being handled by the pharmacy. And if there's any changes to that 
medication regimen, then they can just let them know and they'll change it in the MedSync program. It was something that I hadn't actually really thought about until someone brought it up that if you're taking five or six medications and one of the prescriptions was written on the fifth of the month and one of them was written on the 20th of the month or that takes some coordination otherwise you're in the pharmacy seven times a month just because all of your prescriptions are on a different schedule it's definitely something that has really helped patients and also you know you think about someone who may be caring for an aging parent and they're just doing the best they can. Whenever they go in, they see a bottle's empty. So then they have to run to the pharmacy and get it filled. And they take it back maybe three days later, another bottle's empty. So instead of being reactionary, it's more proactive to have those medications filled all on the same day. And we can do that by short filling medications. So that would mean if, say, the 20th was the day that you got your medication synchronized on, then we could short fill from the 5th to the 20th and just give a 15-day supply until the 20th when we'd refill it for a full 30 or 90-day supply. And this is something that comes through the same through Marixa, for example, from the Medicare Part D plan. It says this patient's eligible for a MedSync reimbursement or what have you. And that's how the pharmacist knows that this is such a patient? Some pharmacies are offering this to all their patients. And the medication synchronization that is identified through outcomes for these patients, I'm not sure what the criteria is that they identify this person needs it more than the next person. But a lot of pharmacies, whenever they implement this type of program, they're implementing it for all of their patients, Medicaid and private insurance and Medicare patients as well, but it just seems to be a very good model for patient and pharmacy. It's something that if a pharmacy puts it in place, a lot of times they'll offer it to all their patients. It would seem to be a service aligned to many of the things which are going on in healthcare right now, assisting the patient in doing things that are going to lead to very good outcomes. So making sure that a patient isn't left to their own devices <laughs> to remember to fill meds, which is a huge part of outcomes, would seem to be something which would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And we can help improve outcomes. One MTM story that I could share is I had a patient who was on Lantus Insulin but they didn't have the dexterity to draw the insulin out of the vial by themselves. So they would rely on family or whoever, caregivers, to drop the Lantus insulin for them. On days that no one came by, they just didn't take their insulin. So when identified the problem, I could then recommend that the physician change the patient to the Lantus pens so that she wouldn't have to be drawing up the insulin herself in a syringe that she could just give herself the shot. And that made a huge difference in this patient and helped get her A1C under control. And it's amazing that it's such a simple thing. Simple, very simple. <laughs> and, you know, so meanwhile, you've got this patient who has chronically high 
A1C, she might be getting the diet talk. <laughs> exactly. And they keep increasing the dose of the Lantus without realizing that the problem is really just this patient's functionality, being able to draw up the insulin at all. What does an MTM visit look like? You obviously you got the list of patients. You call the patient. You say, hey, please come in. The patient agrees. Do you set an appointment for a specific come in Tuesday at 10? Yes. How long is an average consultation, like a half hour? Or? Yeah, between 15 and 30 minutes. It kind of depends on how many medications there are, how many questions the patient has, whether or not you identify any major problems. What a CMR looks like to me, I have the patient come in. We first, we sit down and we discuss allergies and any chronic conditions that are pre-populated on my list. Outcomes in Marixa will pre-populate chronic conditions inferred based on the prescriptions that are filled. So I'll just go through and quickly ask them which of those are actually chronic conditions that they have. And then we'll start with the medication list. Outcomes in Marixa provides you with the medication list. You can then print off the last three months at the primary pharmacy's dispensing system and compare the two and see what they're no longer taking or any doses that have been changed or maybe even just PRN medications that they don't take very often. Another thing we go through is OTC medicines. A lot of patients are taking some kind of vitamin supplements, over-the-counter pain medicine, antihistamines, even diet pills. I've had people taking diet pills that their doctor didn't know anything about. OTC meds is a big part of the CMR because those really should be included in the patient history. That's what I'll do. I'll go through and document all of those medications and then we'll go through their chronic conditions and I will ask them if they're at their goal, if they've maybe had their liver function test done lately, if they're on a statin and recommend that they, maybe they go see an optometrist if, if they haven't been checked for retinopathy. So we really try to look at the patient as a whole person, not just the medications, but helping them identify what their goals should be and how they can get to those goals. So goal setting is a big part of the CMR as well, because I try to get the patient to just set little goals, like maybe it's not riding in the buggy at the grocery store, but pushing their cart around the perimeter of the store or something like that. Just little goals that can help get them moving and get them closer to their goal of getting off their medication. That's usually everyone's goal. Does it matter if the plan insists on mail order or if the patient is filling some generic at Walgreens or Costco and might not necessarily be in the pharmacy system? How do all those factors come into play with both reimbursement and then also your ability to get all the information? It makes it extremely difficult if they're getting their prescriptions mail order. They can opt out of mail order if they want to use a community pharmacy. A lot of our patients really don't care for mail order. One thing is they send a 90-day supply of all the medications, 
And if you've got a patient who is trying out a new blood pressure medicine and they take it for a month and then the doctor switches them to something else, then they've got all these extra pills on hand that they don't really know what to do with. So that is one issue that patients have with mail order pharmacy. And like I said, most insurances will let you opt out of doing mail order if you choose to. But it also makes it difficult for if you go into a pharmacy to get something filled, say an antibiotic or a pain medicine at the last minute, that pharmacy really doesn't have your past medical history and your fill history to be able to determine whether or not there are any major interactions. So that's why I tell people it doesn't matter which pharmacy you pick, just pick one and stick with it because you really want to have all of your past prescription history in the same place so that if you have any problems, it can be identified and managed by the pharmacist. If I'm a physician and I've got any kind of value-based payment going on, it would seem like enlisting the help of a pharmacist in my area would be a no-brainer. What would I do? You know, if I'm a a physician and I want to work with a local pharmacy or local pharmacies, what would you recommend happens there? I would say just reach out to the pharmacy, find out if they're doing the MTM. And also, collaborative practice agreements are really helpful for both the physician and the pharmacy. For instance, if I tried to fill a medication on someone's insurance and the insurance comes back and tells me, no, we don't cover that. That's not on our formulary, but this medication is. So then I would have to call the physician's office and leave a message for the nurse and the nurse would have to ask the doctor and then the doctor would tell the nurse to call us back. And it's just a really complicated process that the patient is the one who has to wait 48 to 72 hours for us to get this all figured out. Meanwhile, they're going without this medication. But with a collaborative practice that says we can do certain therapeutic substitutions, then we would just see that message come back from the insurance company. We would document the changes. We would change that prescription order to the formulary medication. And then we would just let the physician know that we changed it to the other medication. Even medication synchronization programs help save the physician and the nurse's time because we're not constantly sending refill authorizations all month long. We can be proactive about when a patient is going to run out of refills and get that ahead of time so that they can manage all the refills one day a month and send it back And then we can have all the the medications ready to go when the patient comes in to pick up their medications. And then also as part of these collaboration agreements, it sounds like simply by having that communication there, it can enable a a much more, I'm going to say, efficient working relationship. Absolutely. And I even know of some models where a pharmacist is working part-time in a community pharmacy and also part-time in the physician's office because we can offer MTM services and CMRs under the Incident 2 billing codes in a physician's office, but it would have to be under a collaborative practice agreement with the physician 
since even though we have our own MPI numbers, we're not providers under Medicare B, so we can't actually bill using our own MPI. But using an Incident 2 code and a collaborative practice agreement allows um, that real working relationship between the pharmacist and the physician. And we can put some of these things in place, like the collaborative practices, so that it's saving the physician time, the nurse's time, and it's also making the systems in the pharmacy more efficient. And you, my friend, are the founder of an academy that teaches pharmacists how all these ins and outs of MTMs. Give us the the download on your academy. The academy I actually put together because so many pharmacists were contacting me and interested in putting these MTM programs in place and being a pharmacy consultant, whether it's in a physician's office or in a pharmacy. So I went ahead and last year had a few one-on-one clients based on what I learned in the one-on-one coaching program. I put together an e-course and in January, I launched the e-course, which is now over nine hours of uh, recorded videos about how to structure your business, how to market your MTM services how to put in systems, how to train staff members, and even how to work within physicians' offices. We've had over 45 pharmacists go through the program since January, and it's been a, a really great community that, that a lot of people are getting great results and being able to put together their businesses. And you are also, in your spare time, uh, yeah. a co-host of the Pharmacy Podcast. And I have heard several of the interviews that you have done with graduates of your program. And those I would have to highly recommend. We will definitely put them in the show notes. Absolutely intriguing some of the ways that you have helped pharmacists deliver MTM services in really unique and win-win kinds of ways. Yeah, I think that the motto of the Pharmapreneur Academy is advancing the profession of pharmacy. And everything I do is committed to that goal. I thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, You will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.